You are now listening to The Social Hour. They're not PC. So if occasional foul language turns you off, then you have all been warned. This is the call before the storm. This is why I got out of ISIS in the first place. Get ready for the social hour. Live from Deese World Studios in San Antonio, Texas. This is the social hour. On today's show, mental strength and performance coach and former Australian federal police officer, Gary Faye. And now your host, trying really hard not to make a Crocodile Dundee reference, Dees Casillas. Malabkeen, everyone. Welcome to the show. This is The Social Hour. I am Dees. Uh, we appreciate you coming, hanging out for another episode, guys. I'm, I told you, I've been telling you for months i'm getting back on that weekly schedule we've slowly been chipping away getting back to more regular shows but this is the first of many weekly shows i've got on the books i finally sat down and i got a calendar out and booked about oh i think uh probably a dozen or more shows over the next few weeks so i'm gonna have them in the can ready to go even if i'm traveling uh i'm also gonna be guesting on quite a few shows so keep an eye out for that i love doing that you're going to see me, more of me just kind of around in the podcast world. Um, yeah, just kind of trying to get myself back on schedule with 2024 now that I've, I kind of uh, things are settling in a bit. Uh, as we know, I will. I'm doing uh, not a lot of road work for the next couple months. If you want to see me live, you're going to have to come to Texas. Uh, I'll be doing stuff around San Antonio, uh, Austin, Galveston, Houston, uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, stuff like that. But that's pretty much it until April. Then my tour, spring tour kicks off in uh, Washington State. I'll be all through the Northwest uh, for all of April. So go to the website, get your tickets. Uh, tickets are on sale and moving already. So go check it out. Uh, that's it, guys. You know where to find me, decomedy.com. Uh, as for today, we're going to get into it with our guest. He comes with us all the way from, from Brisbane, Australia. He is a mental strength and performance coach, among many other things that we are going to talk about. Uh, please welcome uh, Gary Fay. Gary, what's up, man? How you doing today? G'day, Dees. I appreciate being here, mate, and uh, also, you know, being up early in uh, in 2024 and and hopefully uh, setting the season up well. <laughs> yeah well it's four it's it's 4 p.m where i am uh you know it's you're in the you're living in the future do things look better in the future at all yeah i gotta say mate uh it's, it's eight o'clock monday morning here and uh and tomorrow's looking pretty good for you guys so uh <laughs> okay yeah it's, it's it's nice to uh wake up early and sunshine down here and uh yeah hopefully have something to look forward to yeah the you were asked for we uh, heated up the mics. You're asking about the Super Bowl. Maybe uh, do you already know who won? Then is that how that works? They already have, they already have <laughs> yeah, the winner. Yeah, I'd be uh, I'd be putting all my money on, but uh, no, unfortunately, uh, we don't get the news ahead of time. Just, uh, just the weather. <laughs> uh, do you is is American football popular out there in Australia at all? I mean, you guys have, obviously have rugby and stuff that's that's huge out there. Uh, you know, soccer or like or you know. Uh, what, I guess more traditional football, but do you guys, uh, is American football big out there? Yeah, 
we, we get, um, yeah, we, we certainly get uh, American football out here. There's a, a couple of the TV channels um, play it live every, uh, you know, what's usually Monday and Tuesday for us. Um, and, and so it does get pretty popular, especially around this Super Bowl season. Um, you know, we, we have our own, um, I suppose, versions of, of football, rugby league, uh, which is actually coming to Las Vegas in uh, in March, I think, to, to do a couple of games in oh, Vegas. Oh, really? Uh, which is, uh, you know, I'd like to say it's like NFL, but harder. Yeah. Uh, no pads, uh, no replacement teams, just everybody playing 40 minutes straight, <laughs> building the hell out of each other. Um, yeah, we get soccer and soccer as well, um, and, and a couple of other football versions. But yeah, look, the um, the gridiron and the NFL um, does have a, a good following down here enough to, to warrant some uh, some free to air TV time. Yeah, I always wonder how much you know. I mean, you hear like uh, football is big in you know like like England. I think they've talked about putting a team in the UK somewhere, which is just seems crazy to me. Um, but you know, they've talked about that and, you know, you know, basketball's big in China, but you never know where things are, you know, cause Americans are so, we're so, so self-centered. We're like, yeah, everyone watches what we do, you know, just don't think of the rest of the world. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know that a team would succeed in Australia. A, we're too far away and B, we probably don't have the population to, um, uh, to muster up, but we've sent a few decent players, uh, your way to, a young fellow, Jordan Malita, that plays uh, up at Philadelphia Eagles that, uh, that gets a good run. Okay. Um, we usually send a few punters your way as well. Our Australian rules football is, is all about that all makes punts. Sense. So we, we get a couple of punters going up that way. But, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's enough for an interest. And you, know, you, you get a very good following uh, down here. And, and if they happen to bring a game down, it'd be great. But uh, you probably sell out. But I don't know if you get week to week. Yeah, yeah, doing it, uh, whatever, eight times a year in there, you know, home games might be tough. Yeah, that 14-hour that flight might uh, do a few people in as well. Yeah, that's what I always thought when they're like, oh, we're going to put a team in England. I'm like, yeah, the travel time and then the jet lag and, you know, so you send a team from Pittsburgh to, to you know, Manchester, all of a sudden they got to spend two days there to acclimate before and it just seems crazy. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it'd be a tough business, I think. Uh, you know, that, that might be... Uh, you know, a little too far for some. Although, what is it? New York to London's about six hours, which is you know not too dissimilar to New York to LA. So, I suppose know, that's true. Is that all it is? Six hours from New York to London? Yeah, I think so. Oh wow, got him missing out on going to London, I guess. Uh, I <laughs> just assumed it was so far away. Yeah, uh, uh, maybe I just said don't care to go to London. Uh, I think it's probably yeah. Look, we, we live. Oh, yeah, Every, everywhere's far away for us. I mean, it takes six hours to get out of our country. So, um, you know, we don't we don't bat an eyelid at 14-hour flights or, you know, to get to London for us, it's, it's usually a stopover somewhere and 24 yeah. hours of travel. Well, I mean, I, mean, I, I, I mean, obviously Australia is a big continent. Like I live in uh, Texas where I can drive seven hours west and I'm still in Texas. So yeah. like that's, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, I'm almost to New Mexico, but I'm still in Texas in seven hours. Yeah, we, we got, um, yeah, we got some pretty big country that the actual country sizes, Australia and the United States are very similar in area size. It's just that for us, we have nothing in the middle, yeah. literally nothing in the middle. And, and so, uh, you know, we can drive, you know, it, it will take you three days to get across the country, but two and a half of those days, you'd see nothing. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Uh, you know, so, so that's the that's the big difference i think between the the two places it's all desert i mean there's no no chance of living there yeah uh, 
but uh, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a big country. We've got a couple of states probably the size of, of Texas. Uh, a lot of nothing in those states, though. Yeah, I mean that's so. You're from Australia, right? Because I know you spent some time in New Zealand, yeah. uh, but you're from Australia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, I, I, I'm Australian. Um, I've spent a bit of time all over the place, to be honest. Um, you know, I spent a, I spent a year in England. I lived in England for a little bit, um, and, and a lot of travel through uh, previous work. So, you know, I've spent a few months in different places. Certainly, a few weeks, and uh, and at times a few hours in uh, in a couple of places. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's funny because I mean, when you look at I don't, I guess, I've, I mean, I've, I've always known Australia was so big, but when I think of it, I don't, I just maybe just don't know enough about it. But like you said, I think part of it is because so much of it in the middle really is just uninhabitable almost. Yeah, I think that the, the thing that is hard for most people to wrap their head around is the distance between our big towns. So even to go from Sydney to Brisbane, which is, you know, kind of, capital city to capital city yeah uh that's a 10 11 hour drive um you know up the east coast so it's not you're not popping up for a day um again from the east coast to the west coast if you want to go from sydney to perth that's three hour drive six hour flight with nothing in between so i think i think the the uh, the, the vastness of the place the fact that there's not a lot in between those drives uh, you know up the coast there is but they're all small beach coastal type towns and I think that's the difference. You know, I know you're in Texas and yeah, my six or seven hours, you might not get out of Texas, but it's not too long to get to a massive uh, town, you know, yeah. a, a Dallas, a Houston, uh, you know, a San Antonio, you know, you can find big, you know, uh, million people towns. Uh, you, you don't get that in Australia. Well, yeah, I mean, I think three of the biggest cities in America are in Texas. So, yeah. you know, San Antonio, Dallas, and I believe Houston. May Houston might be eleven, um, but yeah, I mean you're talking to you know arguably yeah. the top three of the top ten biggest cities in America are in Texas alone. So, you know, yeah. So I think that's the difference. It's just it's just a long way, um, you know. But again, between the big towns here and um, you know, some nice places in between, if you're certainly doing the drive, it's a it you know, probably like a little bit similar to the San Francisco to LA drive. Yeah. Um, you know, you can stop off in some nice towns along the way and. Um, see some good scenery and, and that sort of stuff, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a long drive. Yeah, so I mean, I lived in a for my in my mid teens briefly. I lived in Western Montana, in a very small town, um, and all we did was find ways to get into trouble, you know, which young kids do anyway. But you know, when you're when you live the smaller the town, the more you you know you can't you know you can't get into like gangs and drugs and like the metropolis type issues but you can find trouble in different ways you can't even imagine in a city so like what's it like growing up in australia where not only did you live in small areas you know not necessarily i mean brisbane's a big area but i mean there's small towns outside of it but the the wildlife and the countryside is for lack of a better word much more feral yeah look we we um yeah, we, we often cop it a little bit. Uh, you know, there was a time, and look, I think it depends on what scale you read, but I think there was a time where I remember reading, we, we have uh, six, uh, we have the top six most poisonous snakes in the world yeah. and uh, and seven of the, and nine of the top ten or something like that, if you go by, you know, different ratios. Right. And, um, it, it seems to be part of the scenery. It, they're not, they're certainly not just, you know, crawling around the road. There's not kangaroos, you know, all over the place in the cities, but... Um, you know, we're, we're not too far from that. You know, you can, uh, where my office is here, um, 
just out the window. There's bush. There are kangaroos, you know, around here. And, um, you know, but, but the cities that cities, you know, I've been to the US a number of times. There's a lot of our, a lot of our, our cities, I think, would be very similar to a setup like a San Francisco, maybe, mm-hmm. um, you know, perhaps like, even like a, a bit of a San Antonio or, or, or more that, that style. Um, and, and, you know, the bigger cities, certainly there's, there's a little bit of gang um, sort of issues, that type of stuff, not to the extent of the US. I think we're probably very similar demographically to the US in that, um, yeah, but just on a smaller scale. So a lot of the issues that the US get, we get them, but yeah. on a vastly smaller scale, I suppose. And uh, some of our smaller towns, you're right, the, the trouble, it's a great place to grow up for young kids, but once they start to get to teenage age years and there's not a lot for them to do. I mean, kids will naturally find something to do yeah. if, you, if you don't have options, and, and typically they're not good choices. Right. And, um, you know, so, yeah, I, th- I think we're very similar culturally to the, you know, probably a hybrid US and UK hybrid. Um, Canada is very similar to us as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that style of, of culture, of, of person, of, of demographic, um, you know, is similar just on a, on a smaller scale and perhaps a little more relaxed. Uh, relax nature. Yeah, I feel like anytime. I mean, you, you, I. It's anytime you're in an area that's that like, that seems that kind of wild. I feel like the people are, in a sense, more rugged, but also more relaxed. You know, because yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I suppose when you grow up with things that can kill you, you uh, yeah. And, and again, they're not right on your doorstep. It's not as though that every day you're walking out amongst crocodiles and and and, uh, and sharks and that sort of thing but um you know they just become a normal way of life bugs and things that bite you and yeah uh, you know that that's uh this is very common here and you know you probably take it for granted a little bit you know you swim in the ocean without really worrying about shark attacks they do happen um you know but i always love seeing the typically australian um you know tiktoks or or instagram reels where the crocodiles eating the shark or the you know, yeah. the, the magpies attacking the brown snake. Yeah, you, you got know, you got some too, kangaroo too with a dog guy. and a headlock, you know, fighting yeah. some guy. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, I've never seen it on the street, but, um, you know, obviously it happens somewhere. But, um, yeah, sure. I, I think that's just, it does come with the territory if, you, if it's something that you, you know, grow up with or associated around. And, and you know, look, I grew up in a, in a different time too where we used to go out into the, into the bush or the park and, you know, throw rocks at snakes and, um, you know, collect frogs and, um, you know, try and find spiders and all that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, so it probably just creates a natural immunity to, um, uh, you know, to, to the fear of those things. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a different, different lifestyle. The, uh, what I'm just so curious as to when I, anytime I talk to people from other countries, like, especially, you know, in today's time with the, the, the political divide and the social divides. And, you know, I remember during COVID hearing a lot of kind of pretty extreme things coming out of Australia. Uh, you know, you hear these things like, ah, oh, they're rounding up the kids and getting them vaccinated without the parents' consent and stuff like that. I mean, what, what was it like? I and mean, what, what is it like out there in Australia with that and politically? Yeah, look, my, my view is it probably wasn't that bad. It's um, and, and again, very similar to uh, you know what I follow from the US. That you know you certainly have those extremes, um, and and then you have people on either side of the extremes trying to make up stories about how bad the other side of the extreme is. And, sure. Um, you know, we we did things a little differently down here for a period of time. Um, 
but we came out of it, I think, relatively well. Um, I mean, we got a lot of people vaccinated down here. I, I think we, I think the numbers were something in, in the early 90s, 90% 90 of, mm -hmm. of Australians got one, two or three vaccinations. I don't know what the, the number happened to be. Um, and, and some of our states were a little more militant than others about locking down and um, can't go places and, and all of those sorts of things. Um, I don't think it was as bad, talking to some friends in the US, the stories that were coming out of here. I mean, I personally never felt really like I was being hemmed in or, or not able to do things. Uh, I think a lot of it comes down to a personal mindset. Um, you know, I've done a lot of work in my time on being responsible for my own thoughts and beliefs and, and, and happiness, I suppose. And there are some confines within the worlds that we live that, you know, you don't get to control everything. You know, I, I'm not allowed to or supposed to drive on the road without a license. So yeah. if, if I, if I didn't want to get a vaccine, you didn't have to get one in Australia, but that came with consequences, right? Like that meant you couldn't go to some places just like if I'm 17, I can't go to a pub. If I'm, if I don't have a license, I can't drive. And if I'm a man, I can't go into a woman, woman's bathroom. Yeah. Um, depending on who you ask, I suppose these days, but, yeah. um, well, that's different yeah, in sure. America. Uh, that's, <laughs> <laughs> We've got a bit of that history, but you know, it's it. I think it, a lot of it comes down to how you personally want to view your life. You know, I, I I accept that there is some interference from governments. I probably prefer that to no interference because I know what anarchy would look like as well. And yeah, you know, having uh, had a, a previous career that took me into some uh, pretty nasty places around the world, I could I see what anarchy looks like a little bit. Yeah, and. Um, you know, so it, it's a trade-off, and it just depends on where you sit uh, in that and how you want to. You know, to me, to me, the COVID issue wasn't the issue to die in a ditch over for me personally. Um, I don't care if someone's vaccinated. I didn't care if they weren't vaccinated. Um, I didn't care. It, it just didn't really make an issue, a difference to me personally. Yeah. You know, getting vaccinated or not, and if you were great, if you weren't great, I still it didn't bother me. Yeah. And and I think a lot of Aussies. I think the general population of Australia was like that, but the fringe 10% on either side, I think, you know, made the most noise about whether we should or shouldn't. Sure, and I, I think that's probably pretty pretty accurate or similar to America and most places where, you know, I, I just don't know if, you know, it's just so interesting, like I said, I don't, you know, we, we kind of can, you know, I, I can wrap my head around what's happening in America. I can see the, you know, them, accentuating the extremes and creating this divide and it just all you know and you you hear these things from other countries and you're like is it happening over there is that you know is that what's going on is that the way those people feel um you know because like you mentioned canada like you hear these things happening in canada then i talk to some canadians and then some you know some of them are like yeah this is this is kind of crazy and this is you know this is but you know you just never know the way the the people are really feeling or what it's how it's really implicating day to day for for you yeah and, and again i i from a personal point of view i have certainly got some friends that that um were very militant on both sides i mm -hmm. suppose and you know i see their their posts and, and have conversations with them and, and you know a lot of them buy into it and some of them with good reason you know I'm, i think that's that's the thing that we don't appreciate these days is you know is, is people have different circumstances and you know at, at the time when vaccinations came out, I had a you know compromised son, and so I'm not taking risks with uh, 
you know, I'm not taking risks with picking up illnesses or diseases right, or, right. or things that can kill you, right? And by the same token, a person might have an immunocompromised child and think, well, getting a vaccine is dangerous because right. that could compromise it. You know, and so I think it, it, that's why I think personal choice is important. Um, but I also do believe that we have to have some, I don't like our government, to be honest. I, I don't trust a lot of the government stuff, but I don't know that we have a better alternative at the moment. And, yeah. um, you know, the system I think we have is a decent system, whether or not the individuals in the system <laughs> are the right people, I'm not too sure. But, you know, I, I don't want us to throw the baby out with the bathwater either. Yeah. You know? and, and I think sometimes the arguments need to be moderated around, you know, we have a, a workable system with bad people, perhaps. Um, and, and that may be where we, sh we should direct our, our conversations, but also respecting everybody, you know, if, if if I have an opinion strongly on something, I've got to accept that somebody else will have an opinion different to mine that's also strong. Right. You know, they've got their reasons, and I'd like to have a conversation about it. Um, and I don't expect to change your mind or my mind, but that's how we get progress: is by you know hearing other people's views in a uh, in a respectful conversation and accepting that. Some people just have different experiences, yeah, you know, and, and that's that's okay. Yeah, and I think that's the hard that's the hard part, though, you know, because when I have these conversations with people and they, you know, we talk about, you know, because I'm, you know, not a fan of the government and the way it does things in America either. But like you, I have similar sure. thoughts. Like, well, we have to the the system at its core was probably a good foundation. It's gotten rotten since. Um, you know, you can't throw the baby out of the bathwater. But at the same time, too, it's 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 a weird dichotomy because you also can't you almost can't change it without burning it all down, you know, because like I think I think sometimes like the the, the for I, I'm going to try to throw as many colloquial metaphors in here as I can. But you can't throw you know, sometimes the horse is too far out of the barn where you just got to like what I mean, because there's always going to be people who still have from the old part of it that still have those those their little tentacles into it so um without kind of completely and you can't really overhaul it while those people are still around and as long as those people are around you can't overhaul it so it's just this circular like where do we even start i think that's the difficulty with the with the system as it is is that we rely on the people that are in it to they would be the ones responsible for changing it. Right. But they would be the ones negatively affected if they did change exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, there was a, a, great, uh, a great quote from a former prime minister of ours down here. Uh, I don't think it was his initially, but you know, he says, in, in the race of, uh, in, in the race or the, the game of life, always choose self-interest because at least you know it's trying. Right, yeah. And, uh, and I, think, I think people that these days, unfortunately, what I see in Australia, and I think, you know, it's mirrored in the US as well, is that people are going into politics for quite personal and selfish reasons um, first. And, you know, I, it's unfortunate that the people that have come before us, uh, you know, a lot of people that went into politics in Australia 50 years ago, 100 years ago, had lived a life. They, they had been part of the part of the public. They right. had been successful in business or successful in agriculture yeah. or successful in, in innovation. And then they went into politics for a short period of time. As a public they servant. They made a huge difference. Yeah, as a public service. They made they made a huge difference to the to the country for the future instead of 
needing to be re-elected in three or four years' time and making short-term decisions based on the fact that uh, I need to keep my job. Yeah. I'm like, I don't blame somebody for making a decision to try and keep their job. That's where I think the system has got it a little bit wrong for, for all of us. And we don't really see any nation-building uh, initiatives anymore because nation-building initiatives cost a lot of money early and they don't get benefit for a long time. And that doesn't win votes. Yeah. And um, and I think that's where uh, we miss a little bit of the uh, that nation-building essence these days. There's a lot more self-interest. Someone goes into politics at 20 years of age and sees it as a 40-year career. Right. Um, that they don't see it as a service to the, you know, and I'm sure there's parts of it that is service, but... Yeah, I think that's where it becomes very difficult to to change from within the system because a lone voice, almost like Jerry Maguire when he you know put out his manifesto yeah. talking about <laughs> taking less money, right? Like everyone's going to applaud you, and then you're going to be voted out, right? Uh, right. And, uh, you know, so so that that part I do agree with you that you know it may take a, a breaking down of the system somehow in order for it to rebuild. My, my big problem, I suppose, and question at the moment is a lot of the arguments talk about breaking it down, but there is no uh, solution as to what it would look like to rebuild. And, and, yeah. and anarchy, I don't think, is that system. Well, and you can that can happen really quickly because, you know, even in some places where like look at like the uh, Arab Spring and a lot of stuff that happened a couple of years ago, you know, like Libya, for instance, which was. Uh, had its scruples and, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Was it Gaddafi who, uh, in, Gaddafi, yeah. who he uh, obviously a ruthless dictator in his own, but he also had some semblance of order. And it's always what backfills after that, you know, yeah. oh, look at Iraq or, or Afghanistan, like what you take out the Taliban, but what backfills and what backfills yeah. is almost always worse than what was there in the first place you know i mean you saddam hussein terrible dictator but probably iraq was in better order as a country and for the people than it is now yeah i i, I tend to agree in the sense that i mean the, the the most likely fill to any void is going to be strength power and violence mm -hmm. right because if, if there is a um, if there is a lull or a void in leadership or power, uh, we can't discount the fact that there are people in the world that are prepared to rule by force. Um, and, and, you know, those people exist. And if there's nothing that stands in the way, then those will be the first to respond. And, you know, our chances of overcoming that with good communication um, are highly unlikely. And, yeah. and so <laughs> I, I would... I would like to think that if we do want to create the new system, we almost have to develop the new system first, have it implemented before the old system gets removed. Otherwise, you do open up for a void for a you know for a country or a, a party or a, yeah. a group of rebels or whatever you want to call them um, to to take over and and rule by power. I mean, it's it's until I think I heard the other day and until Gandhi in the in the mid eighteen hundreds. Um, uh, set about having a, a peaceful, passive uh, protest, the only way that we uh, solve problems up until that point was violence. Yeah. You know, we can't presume that 200 years on, we've evolved to such an extent where that feeling doesn't still exist. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's one, it's just a challenge, you know, I mean, there's really no, no good answer. And unfortunately I, um, I don't know. I think that anytime someone, even people with good intentions, you know, you get into that position of power. I think it just people get corrupted and, and get it very easily. You know, they, it's very easy to get in that seat of power and you start to get a little juice and, you know, everyone eventually becomes yeah. the man. <laughs> yeah, uh, because uh, too, uh, yeah, gaining that power um, often comes with uh, support of other people, and then there's you know the responsibility of repaying favors or you know helping out somebody else. And you know, I, I probably would like to take a slightly different take on it, and that is, you know, I, I think one of the better ways to move through this period of, of time is is really to come back to, you know, come back to what you get to control, right? Yeah. Like there, there are a whole bunch of circumstances that we don't like about the world or mm -hmm. our town or our government, but within the confines of what we have, um, within the confines of the facts of what exists currently, yes, we can talk about how we would like to change it, but not many people talk about how they want to show up and control what they get to control. You know, yeah. and again, much like the, the COVID circumstance, you know, um, it, it comes down to how do you want to be responsible for, for your part in this, you know, and, and what can you do to make your life better um, in the face of what you're experiencing in the world right now? And then, you know, sure, you make your little comments and changes and, and move towards something, but, but I do get to choose how I live in this world with the confines that I have. Well, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's it's so interesting because I, I think uh, part of it is I just think people have become so checked out and complacent and not uh, also not accountable. You know, it's very easy to not want to be accountable or not to feel like you have to be accountable. Everyone can have their own well, that's not my truth, you know. I, I mean, like, I feel like the moment yeah. the moment the term "my truth" came into uh, the vernacular was the moment we were off the rails. Because yeah, there there is you can have an opinion and you can have ideas, but it doesn't just because they came out of your dumb head doesn't make them truth, you know. Like we we have to have like it, it's funny because those are always the same people say screaming to trust the science, but also they can yeah. create their own truth out of fucking nothing and you're like you gotta pick a lane man <laughs> yeah yeah that, look i think that the essence of it is that you know nobody wants to be responsible for their own pain right yeah. and so therefore <clears throat> if i can look to some sort of external thing to focus on uh the government uh the media uh the the, the vaccines uh, another country uh, the other party whatever it happens to be yeah if i can look externally then it's not my fault why I'm not as successful as I want to be, why I'm miserable, why mm. my partner left me, why, you know, it, we always want to first of all point the finger somewhere else because I don't want to be responsible for my own pain, which is why people rarely look to the things that they can control in the circumstance and are quicker to point the finger at um, somebody else or something else being responsible for you know, where they're at. You know, oh, if the government had done this, then I would have been, you know, okay. Yeah. I'm only miserable because they made me take a vaccine or they wouldn't let me do, you know, whatever the case may be. Forgetting for the fact <clears throat> that for the last 10 years, you didn't do the thing anyway. Right. You just, now that they've <laughs> taken travel away from you, you've 
decided that it's their fault that you're miserable and you can't go on that holiday you planned 15 years ago. Yeah. You know, and um, again, I understand why people don't want to be responsible for their own pain because it, it bloody hurts. And it means that you've got to do something and that you could have done something differently. Um, but I do think that that's where people get into these arguments about, you know, governments or political parties or other people or being offended. It's because if I can point to that, then I don't actually have to look inward and yeah. figure out that I might have some part to play in this in this uh, you know responsibility. Yeah, I mean that's there's a lot of that. You know, I mean that's kind of tangentially related. It's kind of like in the last couple of years, I've seen things kind of break apart in America a little more because um, I always considered myself like I don't know what terms are used in Australia, but as far as American politics, I was, you know, uh, socially uh, very liberal, do whatever you want to do. I don't care as long as it doesn't affect my life. Like I don't do, do what you want to do. I don't, it doesn't bother me, you know, uh, fiscally, I'm a little more conservative um, on some stuff, uh, you know, like, uh, I'm all for freedom of speech, guns, things like that. You know, you want to own a gun, say what you want to say. Um, but yeah, people are not um, taking the opportunity to like look at what they're doing in it. But oh, here, what I was going to say is I started realizing as things fractured in the last and fragmented the last few years is that like people are, they get so mad at each other, but they're not stopping to realize like that other person also thinks they're doing the right thing you know yeah like that person who you vehemently disagree with and you think you're so self-righteous and altruistic that person also has that same point of view um for themselves so like you're both wrong and you're both right so you kind of have to at a certain point start finding a way <laughs> to bridge that you know well, it's, it, I think it's it's a necessary evil as well. I mean, you know, un, unfortunately, as much as everybody would like to think that all of their situations are correct and all of their thoughts are right, without a balance, you know, that that's the reason why we have left and right politics, you know. And, you know, perhaps these days I think the parties don't necessarily represent what they, you know, the... the uh, the environment anymore because I think you know a lot of people in the middle would probably be like you socially liberal but you know economically um, conservative right like that but there's, there's these days it seems to be you have to be one or the other right you, you, you either got you got to pick a team you can't be both right yeah. and and I think unfortunately though if you were all one way um, typically something gets left behind you know if, if mm. the only people you have around you are people that support your view um, you know, you'll end up going around in circles, patting everybody up on the back right, and going yeah. nowhere because you, you need to have dissenting voices. So that, and you know, it's, it's no, uh, you know, it's no shock that when you look at, you know, us politics, cause um, you know, that that's probably put up in the, in the world more than anybody else. Um, you know, you've got pretty close to a 50, 50 divide of, yeah. of, of, of where you vote. Right. And, and you also have conservative presidents and then you have Republican, uh, sorry. Then you have, um, liberal presidents and um you know which tends to show me that the system is kind of okay that you know we need to have a bit of one side and a bit of the other because if one side goes too far we end up down a bad 
you know, a bad patch. And if the other side goes too far, we end up in a bad patch. So you kind of get that, you know, that, that toing and throwing, that that openness of communication. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think it's necessary. I think more people should seek out um, people with dissenting views to theirs and have those conversations because, yeah, yeah I mean, it, I, I don't mind if, if you're very hard left, right, and, and, and let's say... Let's say it's 50-50. 50% of people are left-leaning and 50% are right-leaning. There's just as many people that have a valid reason for their thoughts as you do. Yeah. And and to consider that, you know, I, I, was it a little TikTok I saw from Ricky Gervais that, that said, you know, to, to think that that every opinion I have is completely right and everybody else is wrong is, you know, it's some sort of... Uh, you know, some sort of next level narcissism you yeah. know, to, to presume that everything that I think is 100% right and absolutely nobody can, can argue with me is, is ridiculous. You yeah. wouldn't, you wouldn't accept that in a relationship, um, you know, and, and, but we try and pretend like that's who we are as, as people, you know, instead of being open and say, well, you know, I don't agree with your point of view, but I can kind of see how you got to it. Yeah. Well, I always like to describe it as like, I ha I don't have, ideals because when people have ideals they cling to them i have ideas and they're very malleable depending on new information and new facts in an evolving life you know so as things change i'm willing to look at anything at any time and reevaluate uh my assessment of that particular environment or thing or or law or given new information i'm not i'm not bound to it dogmatically or or you know um ideologically um and that's it's part of the problem i have when i have conversations with people because i will say one thing and they'll be like oh you fucking liberal then i'll say then i'll say another thing like oh what do you like trump and i'm like actually I don't like fucking either of them. I don't like, I don't you know, you go like, we're having an asymmetrical conversation because you are binary in your, in your thinking. It's this or that. I am like, none of that. I don't want to do, yeah. do either of those things you guys are doing. I think there's something else we could do that'd be better. So it seems that, um, it seems from watching from, a, from afar that, uh, the argument tends to be if you like one thing of, that Donald Trump says, then you're some sort of bigot, racist. Um, you, you must agree with absolutely right. everything that he says. Right. But if you like one thing from Joe Biden's side, it doesn't mean that you're completely, you know, it, it seems like the arguments are a little bit skewed from what we see in our, in the media coverage down here. That You, you can't even suggest that uh, Donald Trump may have been good for the economy right. when he was the president. Yeah, because that means that you, you're now a misogynist who hates women. Exactly. I don't. Yeah, you know, no, the, the two discussions don't don't match. Yeah, you can you can not like a guy. Like, here's the yeah. thing: I don't like LeBron James. Okay. Yeah. But I can't look at him and be like, "That guy's terrible at basketball. He's never been good at basketball." That's you know, and I'm not saying. That Trump was the best president ever by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But I can also say I don't like that guy, but look at certain things and be like, well, that was successful or that was good, you know, um, and be objective when we when we look at things, you know, because <clears throat> like there's this everyone got mad at Trump and there was you know, some lawsuit they were trying to uh, or some impeachment because he had left 
confidential files, you know, in like his Mar-a-Lago estate that got, you know, that were he wasn't supposed to have anymore. Well, then this week comes out and Biden had these confidential files that weren't supposed to be out. And everyone's like, oh, he's just old. He's just old. He forgot. And I'm like, yeah, we still the fucking he's still the president. Right. Don't we have don't we have to hold them both to the same standard or we why? Why are you making excuses? Because this is the guy you voted for. And also, if he's so old and competent, he can't keep track of files. Why are we? Why do we, we should be having a new conversation. Yeah, we probably want to find another guy for the job. So yeah, I think it's um, it. it it always strikes me as odd that, you know, I, I think when you create a rule or a system in your own life, um, it's important to look through the the full uh, the full scope or gamut of that. How does this rule shape up in every circumstance? I mean, if it's a rule, then it should shape up in absolutely every circumstance. You don't get to pick and choose. And yeah. One of the areas that I, I that, that exact same, you know, something that, that might resonate with people with um, a little bit closer to home, that exact same scenario, if you've got a friend who is cheating on their partner, you will most likely support that friend with comments like, oh yeah, but it's not happy at home, or they're, they're, the person that they're um, now in a relationship with, uh, their mistress is is somebody that they really love, and it's just a shame that they're tied to the, you know, to the first marriage and all that sort of stuff, right? Yeah. But if it's somebody that you don't like, you will call them, you know, home wreckers, right. or, or, you know, bluts, or, or you know, you, you will exactly the same <laughs> scenario. We, I had this in, a, uh, in an area that I worked in where one lady was having an affair and everyone liked her. And so it was like, oh, isn't it great? You know, they actually love each other and it's fantastic and blah, blah, blah. And another lady was having an affair and a few people didn't like her. I was like, oh, she's dirty skank, she's a home wrecker, she's, you know, yeah. all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, it's the same thing. Right. It's the same scenario. I, like, I don't care which side you're on. I don't care if you like if you're supportive of it or not supportive, but you don't get to support one and not the other. Right. At least be um, consistent. In the same circumstance, right? Yeah. You, the rule has to exist across, you know, the, the whole spectrum, not just for your guy. Yeah. Right? Like it, it, you just can't do it for yours and not for everybody else's. Yeah. I think people have just decided when it's convenient, they can, you know, yeah. they'll, they'll adhere to things and listen to things when it's convenient. So is it, when it, uh, when it suits their argument. Yeah. Is it uh, is is it that polarizing in Australia for you guys? Do you guys have like a Donald Trump? Do you guys have like is that is is that you know? Uh, we probably got a Donald Trump right. Yeah. I suppose. We, <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, look, our, our politics are very again they, they mirror. Um, they're probably like everything else. It's it's a little on the um, uh, the watered down side, but you know, but our, our left and right arguments are very similar to your left and right arguments, um, and you know. They often are as um, as crazy as as yours sound as well. That uh, you know, people will make up stories or they'll find their way around why this was right for that prime minister and that was wrong for that. The same thing was wrong for that prime minister. But yeah, we 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 have similar, certainly not to the extremes. I wouldn't think, uh, or at least if we have the extremes, they're so small that they're insignificant. But yeah, we we have our our uh, versions of, of Trump and Biden yeah. uh, in our politics as well. What's, with, the, I, with your parliament, I know in New Zealand, not so I don't know if it's similar in Australia, I know they do a thing where, um, I'm going to butcher this a little bit, 
but they save a certain amount of seats and they reserve a certain amount of seats in parliament for third party representatives. So it can't be an extreme domination of basically what their version of Republicans and Democrats. Right. So they have a they they have to have a like a, a number of third party delegates to kind of balance have that middle ground. Is that uh yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I've not heard that of New Zealand's politics. Um, we have um, we have two houses, same as the US, a House of Representatives and a Senate. Um, and typically, the House of Representatives majority is one from either party. So our left side of politics and our right side. Strangely enough, our right side of politics is called the Liberal Party. Um, so it gets a little bit confusing. Sure between the two countries, but our conservative party is somehow called the Liberal Party and our um, our Liberal Party, our, our left party is, is called the Labor Party. Um, but usually what happens is the majority of the House of Representatives is made up of those two parties and then we have some independents that get voted in. There's no set amount that have to be in there. There's no seats set aside mm. for independents to make sure there's an independence. From time to time, um, the two parties will be close enough and there's enough independence that actually the independents hold what's called the balance of power. So they get to decide which of the two parties um, is going to be the, the, the leading, the leading party. Um, and then I suppose the difference between the U S and Australia in terms of our governmental systems is whichever party wins in the house of representatives, uh, they get to put up their man or, or woman as the prime minister. Mm. We don't vote individually on a on a head of state. On a oh, president. okay. Uh, and we vote for the party, and the party decides. We know ahead of time, like we already know who's going to be their head of, you know, head of their party. Okay. But uh, um, we ultimately vote for the party, and then the person who's the head of that party becomes our minister. Interesting, interesting. And now you were, uh, you sent me your bio and I was reading it over. You were in part of the defense, the kind of like the secret service for the prime minister at some point. What is it called? The defense? Uh, yeah, Australian Federal Police uh, is responsible for the protection of our uh, prime minister. Uh, funnily enough, we talked about that topic. But yeah, so the Australian Federal Police, it's, Again, a little bit different. Australian Federal Police is a bit of a hybrid of your FBI, Secret Service, um, uh, probably the DEA, um, you know, and a whole bunch of other stuff okay, uh, chucked okay. in together. Okay. And now, how long were you? How long were you doing that for? So I was in the in the our Federal Police for eighteen years, um, and, and I did close so for a little bit of time. I worked in surveillance on our on major drug importations. Um, I did a little bit of just, I suppose, uh, normal type of police work or, or detective style work on, on smaller jobs. Uh, I did close protection for probably around seven years and, and a few of those years were running the prime minister's protection detail. Um, I did a little bit of time in international. So we, we also, uh, I suppose like the, um, like the state department, we, we also do stuff overseas. Yeah. Um, and then I, and then I ran the commissioner's office. So, um, uh, I suppose the director of the FBI, um, I, I ran his office uh, for, for a couple of years as well. So I had a, had a long career with a lot of different things. Not a lot of it was policing, strangely enough, but um, yeah, a lot of time uh, spending time with, with uh, our prime ministers, some 
uh, you know, some significant politicians from your part of the world as well. I, I looked after Condoleezza Rice, uh, former Secretary of State, yeah. uh, and, a, and a gentleman called Dirk Kempthorne, who was a, a, became a friend of mine, who was the Secretary of the Interior uh, under Bush Jr., I think. Um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it was a fantastic, uh, fantastic little part of my career. Yeah, I mean, how do you get, do, are you, I mean, you don't just get out of college with a liberal arts degree and get that job. Like, what do you, you know, did you, were you in the military or how did, how did you, how do you find that job? Yeah, you can go straight into the federal police as a, you know, as a, a college graduate, a police officer, I suppose. And, <clears> and, um, and then like, uh, again, I, I think because our, we don't have the size of country or population to support individual departments for, um, you know, the protection of our high office holders or um, the, the federal, like the FBI. Mm-hmm. You know, so we kind of have divisions within the Australian Federal Police that would do most of that. We also have a customs style of department as well that they, they manage that sort of thing. But, you know, so you join the Federal Police as a, you know, for me, a 22-year-old and, you know, work a few jobs and, and figure out a career path and, Certain things happen at the right or wrong time, I suppose. I, I was in surveillance um, for the major drug strike teams when um, September 11 happened. So not long after that, we had a, a greater need for close protection, um, bodyguard, I suppose is the generic word, but close protection roles. Yeah. And so I, I shifted across to that and I found a little bit of a niche there. and uh, That helped me build relationships. That got me into more strategic roles. Uh, more managerial roles, I suppose, or, or leadership roles as, as it went through. And, yeah, so it really was, uh, you know, the world's your oyster type of place. So you could you could have gone and done forensics, you could have done computers, uh, you know, uh, you could have done legal work. Uh, so, so really it was just joining as a young, hopeful police officer at 22 and, you know, figuring out your path once you're in there. Yeah, yeah, wow, that's so interesting. I mean, the... I is uh, does Australia tend to have a big drug problem and what is their kind of what's their stance on that I don't even know what... yeah yeah we're, we're, we're you know I suppose we're an anti-drug co- country um, we, we don't have the uh, we, we tend to get the dramas that the US gets a few years after the US gets them so um, I mean at the moment we don't see as far as I know we don't see huge amounts of things like fentanyl here but i do know i'm talking to friends in the u.s how big of a problem yeah you know fentanyl is um up there probably especially where you are in, in texas i think it uh you know around the, those southern areas it tends to be a, a little bit more uh, of a problem but um yeah we're, we're an anti-drug country we we are we are benefited by being so far away um, yeah. i think drugs are quite expensive here uh, illegal drugs are quite expensive because sure. getting them is a you know, is a is a big drama, um, but we we have you know we have heroin issues from time to time. Probably not as much these days as we used to. Um, you know, cocaine, ecstasy, you know, probably the uh, th- those types of upper type of drugs are probably the uh, the major drug of choice that you'd see floating around. Uh, marijuana, um, you know, gets a run from time to time. I don't think it's as heavily used medicinally here as it might be in the US, but yeah. you know that still pops up. Um, you know, from time to time, it's. It's illegal, but you don't see too many people getting in trouble for, for marijuana down here. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're, I think we're an anti-drug country. Um, probably depends on who you ask and, and what their reasons are, but um, yeah, we, we probably follow the U.S. a little bit, 
uh, you know, down the track from from the problems that you see with, with illegal drugs. Yeah, because I, I mean, it's got to be. It's not like you're a, a port or you're in between things or you're you're not on a on a highway that people are driving through where you can just drop yeah. shipments off. You know, so it's a it's it's yeah. a destination for sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a task to get them here, you know, and, and uh, you know, I suppose the, the two ways, they either got to fly in or they got to, you know, sail in in some way, shape or form. And, um, you know, certainly flying in makes it difficult to get large quantities uh, into our country because of how far away the country is. You can't just, you know, pack up a pack up a small plane in Mexico and, and fly it across the border. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, you have to actually have something that can sustain, you know, uh, 10 hours in the air. Um <laughs> And then, and then by boat would be the way that our, our larger shipments would come in. And again, that that becomes difficult too because it's you know uh, we, it's 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 easy in a sense because we've got so much coastline, um, but it's difficult because we're so far away and you've probably got to get it across some treacherous waters. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, stuff can go wrong. So yeah, I think the the price of of drugs, from what I understand, is a lot higher in Australia than it is in most places in the world, and that probably means demand is a lot less and. Um, you know, so we don't see as big a problem as, as you might in other countries, but yeah, it's it's certainly a problem um, that exists. Yeah, yeah. So just more drinking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a little bit, little bit more drinking. <laughs> That's uh, so. Um, I mean, you've done a lot of things in your life uh, over the years, Gary. Now let's talk about what you do now. Though now you do your mental strength and performance coach. What does that What does that mean? How did you get to that? Yeah, look, pr- primarily I work with um, high-performance people, high-performance teams, high-performance companies um, to overcome obstacles, uh, to, to make sure that they can optimize their personal and professional lives. And um, sometimes it's people that have, I suppose, hit some hurdles or gone off the rails a little bit. You know, they've experienced a, a lot of success but are starting to struggle in their life um, and, and uh, it's becoming difficult to live and, and operate. And then others... Uh, you know, sort of at the peak of their powers, just looking to go a little bit further and find that, that little extra inch. I work on the mind. I work on the mental side of performance, <coughs> excuse me, and really focusing on the, you know, the tools that, that we've been gifted with in neuroscience and psychology and um, and figuring those out. And I mean, I, I arrived here, I, not by chance, I suppose, but, uh, you know, I was a high performer um, in, in my own way, in my own field. And and I hit my own hurdles. Uh, I had a, had an issue with depression. I had an issue with gambling, and that made me make a hell of a lot of silly decisions in my life. And um, almost by uh, by necessity, I had to go away and, and relearn. I had to had to learn about you know. I, I worked with, I suppose, I studied under and, and learned from experts around the world in the neuroscience, psychology, peak performance, habit formation, because uh, I wanted to. I, I genuinely believed that if I could understand it. Being a problem solver, I could then fix it or manipulate it or use it to my advantage. And, you know, subsequently, eight or nine years later, um, you know, I found myself with a, a master's in brain and mind sciences. I'm, I'm going through a, a PhD in psychology now and, um, you know, working closely with uh, people at that pointy end to, uh, you know, to, to make sure that they don't fall off the rails as bad as I did and they can achieve the things that they want to achieve and have a, a good balance in their life as well and, and harmony at home. And, uh, it's a, it's a fascinating world of mind. Uh, <laughs> and I, and I love it. And I suppose I, I love the high performance world. It's a world I've been involved with for a long time. And, and that's why I ended up 
um, you know, where I did. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because people, you know, it's it's so much easier, especially these days, to just kind of float aimlessly through life. And like we mentioned earlier, without accountability, you know, I mean, yeah, you have an alarm, your phone tells you where everything is, what time to eat and uh, everything's, you know, climate control, cruise control. I mean, it's just so easy, you know, um, you, you order something on your phone. It's, you know, Amazon drops it on your head 37 minutes later. It's just so where, you know, there's just autopilot and not a lot of like conscious decision. Um, and, you know, it, there's hard decisions to make. It's one of these things like I... I quit drinking like five years ago now. Um, it was just time, you know, I just, you know, I was uh, 36, I don't know. Um, and, you know, touring comedian on the road all the time. And I just kind of was like, I can't keep this in trajectory of my career was kept go was going at a good pace. So I'm like, I can't keep drinking and touring and doing this. And just like, you know, I need if I put all the time, money and effort I put into drinking, into my career, think how much even better it would be, right? So I, you know, what's the worst that could happen? And I did, and you know, like I tried, I, you know, I went to a couple AA meetings and I'm like, this isn't, you know, that, not to, if you do AA and it works for you, great. But one of my main problems I had was that every story when people would stand up and talk, it was all, this happened because I dr I drank and this happened. I drank because this happened to me. I drank because this happened to me. And then when they finally asked me to talk, they're like, why did you do this? I mean, I'm like, well, I just made bad decisions, you know? And like, and I, they, it's, I, AA was like, don't be accountable. You're an alcoholic. You're always an alcoholic. You don't have any accountability. I'm like, no, no, I'm not. I, I'm not. I can be accountable and I can ha take my power back, you know, and I yeah, have autonomy. I, I, sorry, Mike. Oh, Finish. I just like, yeah, I have autonomy to, you know, decide. Yeah, look, I, I have a similar view to you. I, I, um, I very much uh, applaud Alcoholics Anonymous and, and Gamblers Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, any of the Overeaters Anonymous, any, any of those um, organizations, especially because you know, there are a lot of people that have gone through them successfully and, and without those organizations, we, we'd probably have a lot more people struggling and suffering sure. um, in, in the world. But, uh, you know, I'm very much a, a horses for courses type of guy. And I think that also looking at things from multiple different angles is beneficial. Like, I don't think there is a one size fits all. And I certainly don't think it's a one program one-stop shop type of this is the way to go about uh, rebuilding or building your life and i, I went to a, a gamblers anonymous meeting and i had the same view I, I i didn't dislike the people or the meeting or the concept i just didn't believe that this was something that i couldn't control or maybe i didn't want to believe that it was something i couldn't control and you know i i, I wanted to know that i could build the skills to control my life I, yeah I, you know i i I accept there are things outside of our control and I accept there are things inside our control. And one of the things inside our control is the thoughts, feelings, and decisions that we make. And, and I, like you, I was just making bad decisions. Now, bad things happen. And if I had made a bad decision on the back of something bad happening, that was still me making a bad decision. Yeah. hundred yeah, it, percent. It's, it's, you know, I, I wanted to escape, you know, from my depression and I wasn't you know happy with certain parts of my life, but, 
it was still my decision to take the actions that I took. I could have sat in that pain. I could have gone to speak to somebody. I could have chose a different outlet. I could have, I could have done a million different things. And, yeah. um, and so, so for me, it wasn't for me. Um, but again, I, I do see the value in it. And I love that you've talked about the conscious decision part. And funnily enough, that, that is actually the, the concept of my PhD is conscious decision making because, you know, I think often we give over um, the responsibility of decision making to habits that we've created or yeah. things that have become easy. And, you know, I, I'm, I mean, I, I say to people, I'm not a non-drinker. I just don't drink. Right. I, mean, I, I would have one, it'd yeah. be fine. But I've, I've got other things. Like if I, if someone invites me for drinks on Friday night, I make a conscious decision as whether or not those drinks are more important to me than the thing I've got to do on Saturday morning yeah. or where I'm going next Tuesday. Or, you know, it's a conscious thought that I've got somewhere I really want to be tomorrow and drinking today is going to affect that. Therefore, it's an easy conscious decision to make. I just don't have to drink today. Yeah. If, if I decide to have a drink, it will be a conscious decision. <laughs> that this is the action that I want to take today. But you know, a lot of the work that I do with people is really about creating a conscious identity um, because I think what happens in the world today is in the absence of a conscious identity and knowing who you are, we become a victim of circumstance and a victim of conditioning and a victim of comfort. And therefore, we look externally for all of our cues. Is this yeah. what I should be doing? Is yeah. this how I should be living my life? And, you know, it wasn't until I developed my conscious identity and, and, and a really clear and compelling vision of the future that I now make my decisions consciously. I don't always get them right. And, sure. and to be fair, <laughs> I don't always make them consciously. Sometimes I, you know, I miss the boat as well. But I make more of them consciously, which means they're in alignment with who I am and where I'm going. And it's not that I don't care what other people think, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that what I'm doing is in line with who I am. And, you know, that has created far more success in my life than, um, than being talented at a role or a craft in yeah. the past. Well, yeah, I mean, it's there's something to be said about making decisions intentionally, you know. You know, I don't want to just be a passenger on this ride that is my life. I want to be hands on the reins deciding which direction it's going. You know, otherwise, I, why am I doing this, right? Like, I, and, and also then, I it makes the successes better because I've, earned that I worked towards it I made decisions it makes the it makes the non-successes more impactful and more easier to learn from because I know what I did that got me there even if it did, didn't land me where I wanted to be I'm like well it's because xyz these decisions I made let's move forward with that information and we can do better next time yeah and that's I think that is the measure of success you know that it's it's that you if things go wrong you know where they went wrong um that if you you know even if they do go wrong they're they're more than likely on the path moving you towards where you want to go and you know unfortunately if you don't know who you are or what you want with a degree of specificity you do just become you know like um uh, you know like just blowing in the wind yeah. and, and and all of a sudden Friday comes around and people invite you somewhere and then you miss out on Saturday and Sunday and then Monday you're miserable and all of a sudden it's a week down the track and it's a month down the track and and you look back and say, well, where did that time go? I, I, I should have been somebody by now. Mm -hmm. And you don't even know what that somebody would be. You just know that where you are now isn't where you should be. And, um, you know, we have 
a level of control over that. People don't like to take it because it's a bit scary. It, in some ways, it, it creates an admission that what you've been doing is uh, has, has potentially been on the wrong path. And yeah. no, again, nobody likes to be responsible for their own pain. So <laughs> we avoid owning up to that um, and, and facing reality. And the longer we do that, the more pain we're going to feel. And, and, you know, the great thing is, is that every decision, thought and action you've taken has led you to where you are now. Um, they've all been in service of something. And uh, the, the great thing is that now um, with that knowledge, every thought, decision and action you take from now will lead you to where you get to next. At least if you get to do them consciously, you get a choice and a chance to arrive where you're supposed to arrive at. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, the way I, I kind of always looked at it and described it to people was like, I you have to take the time. I think part of the problem is, too, nobody gets to know themselves anymore. No one takes the time to sit alone with themselves, to sit with their thoughts, to really process what who they are even. You know, I mean, I spent a lot of time my whole life making time for myself to be alone. I used to just, I used to travel for like a month or so alone every year and I would just go to random places and write and think my thoughts, hear my thoughts, swim in my thoughts and figure my shit out. Um, And it really got me very comfortable with, um, you know, being able to be alone, which happens sometimes, being able to live with my thoughts and being able to process them. Uh, And I always tell people, it's going to be hard and it's going to be scary. Um, but here's the thing. It's like, let's say it takes you, a, a, it's, a, it's a rough year. Let's say it's even a rough year and a half to, to, while you go through it. Once you're on the other end of it, it may be the hardest year and a half of your life. But then the next 60 years of your life is exponentially easier. You know, you've now created a scenario where you are equipped to handle anything or you can just continue down this path of low grade depression and this unknown weight on your shoulders consistently without, you know, being able for the rest of your life and never, you know, uh, be able to to shake that. It's like take the time, you know, take the time to to process it and get to know yourself and find what you do want, what it, what does make you happy. I mean, that's exactly my story. And, and you know, I, I, I will, I said this a number of times that in my time gambling, it was, it was the most successful part of my career it was the worst part of my life. Mm. And, you know, I lost, I lost $2 million. I lost my career. I lost my reputation. I was very seriously considering the value of my own life. Mm-hmm. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Sure. Now, I don't say that flippantly, and certainly in the middle of it, I wish I wasn't going through it, and it wasn't didn't feel like the best thing ever happened to me. And, sure. You know, I wish I didn't hurt the people that I hurt, but if I if I didn't experience those things, I wouldn't have had the catalyst to to change or to learn what I knew now, because I was that person that was that had a good life. I had a great job. I had a good family. I had the car, the holidays. I had what everybody would consider to be a very successful life. But something inside me just wasn't, you know, just wasn't aligned right. It wasn't working right. It was, you know, it, it was something I was avoiding. I was, I was avoiding that time in my own head mm-hmm. and, and, and understanding that real who I am part. And, and that, 
that who you are part is the North Star of all of your success. The, the most successful people in the world aren't super successful because they're extremely talented at what they do. They're able to put that extreme talent in alignment with who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and we're talking about true success here, not just the person who makes the most money or shoots the most baskets, but somebody who does that over a long period of time who has fantastic relationships, who is happy with themselves, who can put their head on the pillow at night and, and be comfortable, who can sit on a beach and not stress themselves silly about what other people are thinking. Yeah. You know, true, genuine, holistic success and still at the top of their game. It all centers around who, not what. Yeah, I mean, do you think that is also so much harder to obtain in today's lifestyle, though? with you know the the social media and like this impossible standard of reality and uh what this false reality that's being pushed on people of what you know what real life is even uh through these just there's just like this fake reality that people have see, looked and think that social media like it's not it's not real life <laughs> but but yeah. people compare their lives to it i i, I think it's it's harder to obtain that um, who am I value. But I also think that means it's more necessary. Sure. Um, and, yeah. and because, you know, again, if, if in the absence of that, who am I piece, that's the conscious identity part that I, I consciously know who I am. Um, in the absence of that, all of that noise that comes from Instagram and TikTok and, and those social media platforms where people are showing you what success looks like, um, that all becomes, they all become questions to you like, oh, is that what I should be chasing? Is that who I should be? Is that what I should look like? Is that what I should move like? Is that the job I should take? And all of those questions in the absence of a real conscious who am I, they, they become very difficult to obtain because you go down one path and then you see a new Instagram reel and you're like, oh, I better go down that path. And then I see a new one and oh, I better go down that path. And that is a surefire way to be miserable for the rest of your life. So yeah, it's, it's difficult because we are not taught how to create a conscious identity or to understand who we are. So by the time we get exposed to all of this information, we're not clear on who we are. And therefore, we, we become victims of what is put in front of us. Um, that means that it is more necessary. You know, if, if you're sitting in your life and you're kind of meandering through life and you you feel you're in this, a low-grade depression or your life is a, a four to six out of ten. You know, it's not bad enough that you need to change it, but it's just not good, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's the time when you really need to start focusing on, you know, who am I? Is this what I want? You know, I mean, I like to look at the Instagram posts, but I can I can very distinctly tell the difference between the ones that I want to obtain and the ones that I think are pretty to look at. Yeah. Yeah, it's in I I don't I don't know obviously what it's like in other countries, but it's beginning to seem as if uh, there's some design behind the way this is uh, curated to people to keep them in a lower frequency, for lack of a better term. Um, you know, to keep them tamped down, to keep them uh, just complacent. I um, I think you're probably giving too much credit to uh, you know to people in in power for having come up with a 
you know, a genius way of doing that. Um, just again, it's something I used to talk to people around uh, COVID when they were talking about a, a global, um, a, you know, conspiracy as to what's going on. Mm. And I and I would say to people, the people that you think are incompetent to run your roads, you now somehow think can create this, um, you know, global conspiracy that nobody's ever heard of that you know can shape and form everything, right? So, but what I do think, while I do think it's giving them too much credit, I think they've actually stumbled upon. Um, a method to, um, you know, create and uh, keep herd mentality or um, an ability to influence others through their algorithms and platforms. I, I don't know that that was intentional. I think it just happened to be a, for them, a bonus collateral that they can keep eyeballs on their pages and they can sell their products and they can create movements and they can create um, disinformation or disinterest or, or, you know, fire up political parties um, purely because what they created does somehow tap into the, the neuroscience and, and the psychology of, of the human brain. Um, probably not the intention of the start, but I dare say they're not giving it up now. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that was, you know, when those things were launched, they were launched with that in mind, but they have since discovered that they can greatly manipulate people in the masses through these things, you know. Um, I mean, I think we found that, at least in America, through uh, information, quote-unquote, slash misinformation, uh, the way they've uh, manipulated the elections through um, the social media. And not to mention, I mean, you take, a, take an app like TikTok, where in China... TikTok, if you go on their TikTok and the one the kids are watching, it's all people learning complex mathematics. It's people doing science. It's it's educational. Then you go on to our TikTok and it's in America and it's kids with kids with learning disabilities doing dances. Yeah. And you're like, this doesn't seem like maybe they're curating this to it's like a it's like a in a sense a weird cold war you know just to put just to get dumbed down an entire entire society yeah look i'd certainly be a little more skeptical of a state managed uh social media platform than i would have uh you know perhaps of an industry um or a um you know or a yeah a company run or, or something like that um because yeah I, I think that's right now i don't know whether or not the algorithm is designed that way, or unfortunately, the humans in the two countries are uh, are searching for different things, right? Like sure. which, which is leading which, I, I don't really know. But um, you know, <coughs> excuse me. I, I do think that you know there probably is cause for consideration. I won't say concern. Um, you know, I, I think there's there's enough info information to suggest that we're in somewhat of a quasi cold war with you know with with China or, or perhaps a uh, and, uh, what would it be a technological war mm. um, and, and you know the world isn't a, a pretty place there are people that are in it for self-interest or different reasons and, and you know I think we have to be mindful I, I'm always amazed when I look at America how quickly uh, Americans are to turn on each other for things that I don't particularly see as huge deals but they're willing to let go uh, China for stuff that, that you know that they happen to be doing in their in their state-run programs sure. or another country for yeah. who they blow up you know the 
it's, it's almost like you, uh, you guys are more intent on tearing each other down than, than building yourselves up or battling against a common enemy, you know? Yeah. Well, that's not saying that China's an enemy, but... You know, well, yeah, I always make fun of people because it's so funny. These you see these people <clears throat> on, you know, Facebook and their uh, virtue signaling about some, you know, group of whatever. I, Asians aren't being represented good or what, you know, just some weird very obscure like social justice thing in america you know um like oh this the girl who directed barbie didn't get a academy award and they're complaining about this or that or that and i'm like i go you i go uh or or here's a great one the people who want to have the people who couldn't name who their senator is but they are complaining about their they have a hard take on Israel versus Palestine, right? Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> like you, you have no clue on, so, you know, like global political, pol you know. But <clears throat> I'm like, they're like, oh, you know, Israel's a just, this is a genocide, this and that. I'm like, you are tweeting this from a phone that was made from literal slave labor. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, you got, you got to make a decision and pick a lane on how against genocide and slave labor yeah. you actually are. <laughs> If you're going to complain yeah. about it, you're going to have to do it from a tablet that you went and picked yourself and chiseled because otherwise yeah. you understand you're complicit in this. And I'm not absolving myself. We're all complete. I have a cell phone. I'm complicit yeah. in some level. I wear a shirt that was made in Taiwan with probably some little Asian, poor little Asian kid that can get paid yeah. a bowl of rice to do the goddamn thing. It's unfortunate. I don't like it. It is what it is. If I got a choice, we wouldn't do it. But... I'm also not going to pretend like those aren't, you know, other problems we have. Well, again, I, I think, you know, so again, something we were talking about earlier, I, I think it comes back to if it's if it's a rule that you think is important enough to be posting about, then it's a rule that you should adjudge across all standards. You know, right. you don't get to pick and choose the circumstances for which you are for or against the same, um, the, you know, the, the same uh in incident or issue and, right um yeah i mean i think that the israel palestine um situation whichever side people have fallen on there <clears throat> the arguments tend seem to me to be you're arguing that it's okay for one but not okay for another right and i again i i mean i don't i mean i suppose i do care which side people fall on or, or i'm more on the side of let's uh let's not be blowing up anybody yeah um but i can't accept that if one side blows up the other side, it's okay. But if the second side blows up the first side, that that's wrong. Right. Like the, the, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't wash to me, you know, and, um, you know, we have the same circumstances, you know, similar, I suppose, down to here. And that <clears throat> I've just noticed recently, you know, we, we've got a, probably a very valid argument about our, um, our national day down here. And, and, you know, we've got a, an indigenous population that uh, many of them feel aggrieved about the national day. I, I, I don't, live that experience so i don't really have a, a dog in the fight I, I like our national day being the day it is because that's what i've been used to and if somebody changes it good luck as long as it you know as long as the problems that they think it's going to fix will fix the problem but a lot of our politicians didn't post about our national day because of the hurt that, that brings the uh, the indigenous population that's their choice good luck for them 
but they did tweet about um, uh, Chinese New Year. And the main reason that we we have the arguments in our country about our national day is because of um, the, uh, the, the human rights issues that were brought against Indigenous people over the 250 years and probably earlier, more so than, than now, but, you know, over the 250 years. Yet we're celebrating a country that is quite well known for... Uh, 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 smashing human rights right. uh, in the faces of their people, right? Yeah. Like again, to me, it's it, you, you don't get the chance or that you don't get the option of celebrating one and um, and and you know poo pooing the other just because it's on a whim or a political you know point of view. It, yeah. it, it, human rights abuses are either right or they're wrong. That's it. You don't get to choose, right? Like blowing somebody up is either right or wrong. Or, sorry, blowing up. Civilians, it's either right or it's wrong. There's no, you don't go, oh, yeah, but in this case, it's kind of okay because they're our friends. Right. Like, like, <laughs> you know, like, it, it, the, the rule has to exist across the entire spectrum. That's that's all there is to I don't care what rule you want to go by. Sure. I'm fine with picking your rule. But when you pick the rule, be consistent. Rule. Yeah, be consistent. Yeah. 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 And I think I think that that is a thing we have... Uh, a lot of people have lost. Very, well, we're, we're getting again. Those people are trying to pander to an external voice, right? They don't know who they are, so mm-hmm. they're picking the rule to suit what other people are going to think of, them, as right. opposed to what I genuinely believe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's a, you know, it is. That's that's that sums it up nicely. But yeah, it really is unfortunate because I I want it's so often you know like uh, again as. It, I do comedy. I lived in the Northwest and there's a lot of places in the Northwest, you know, Seattle, Portland, very, very liberal havens in America. Knew a lot of comedians in those areas. And, you know, online, they're very vocal about things and they, they, you know, about their liberal ideas and ideals. And then, you know, we do a show together on the road somewhere. And, you know, after a show, you sit and shoot the shit and thing, you know, you uh, we start talking and all of a sudden, you know, they say something and I give a little pushback of like, yeah, but also and the next thing, you know, like the their truth starts coming out and not that they're they're not, you know, hate mongering monsters, but they're like they're a little more even keeled, yeah. but they're they feel comfortable because they know I'm not the mob that's going to be like, yeah. you don't agree with all our ideals. Let's wish you to the cornfield and never be seen again. Um and so you're like, just be that person. That can you can be that person all the time. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? You don't have to talk on an issue if you don't want to. Sure. Yeah. Right? Like you, if even if you think that talking about what you believe is going to affect your uh, your business or whatever, you just don't have to talk on the issue. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I don't generally talk about. Um, I mean, I don't mind talking about politics, but I generally try and steer clear of providing my view on politics because that's my view it's not i'm not a, i'm not in politics i don't think celebrities should be telling people who to vote for um, yeah. because I, i'm not sure that they're any more qualified than anybody else we've mm-hmm. all got the same information right and um you know I, I i don't think it's my job not that i'm a celebrity of any sort but you know i i, I choose where i put my money because of the values that i hold right. um i don't expect you to put your money where I hold my values, yeah. Um, you know, in fact, you know, I'd, I'd like you to put it where you hold yours. I'd like us to have some similar values, hopefully. Um, but I also appreciate that 
we all have different experiences. Like you can you can have two people quite justly see the same circumstance completely different because of the experiences that they've had. And 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 I get that. I think that's that's what makes us you know a, a good community and society. Otherwise, we'd be under dictators that we all go along the same path and. I don't know that that would get us anywhere. Yeah, yeah. And I, on your point about, uh, <laughs> um, you know, celebrities telling us who to vote for, I I think uh, even less we should listen to them. Because I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, Taylor Swift, you also got paid money to endorse Mountain Dew. So, like, I don't know, maybe yeah. your opinion, you know, maybe your opinion is easily bought and sold. Uh, so uh, maybe those people we should listen to even less than normal people. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think that, that they should be pushed further down, you know, below TikTok advice. You know? Yeah. Maybe, maybe right down there. 100%. So, um, all right. Well, um Oh, okay. Well, um, Gary, uh, I could probably keep doing this all night, but uh, I, I know I'm sure it's morning time for you. You got a day to, to get to, um, and it's almost evening time for me. So um, this has been great, though. I appreciate talking to you. You're very insightful. And uh, tell people where they can find you, follow you, uh, if they're interested I don't know your program. Is it online? Is it only available in person? What do you do? Are you working with camp companies, or how do people find you? Yeah, look, at, at the moment, I largely do one to one, or you know, or, or teams or companies. So I go and do a little consulting or, or conversations, um, a little bit of workshopping, uh, you know, uh, some some uh, public speaking or keynote speaking and that sort of thing. So. Um, or, or if, if people want to work one-on-one with me in the performance space or their mental strength building, um, you can find me at garyfay.com. It's uh, F-A-H-E-Y dot um, uh, com. Uh, or you can get my socials at uh, Strong Mend is my first business. Uh, Strong.mend, M-E-N-D, um, is where you'll find me. But if you go to garyfay.com, Google me, um, some of my bad shit might pop up, but some of the good stuff will be there as well. <laughs> uh, more than happy to uh, to chat to anybody anytime about anything. And um, I've really enjoyed the, the conversation today. Actually, I'm, I'm surprised at how uh, how quick it's gone. And um, yeah, it was it was a really enjoyable uh, enjoyable chat. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we should uh, we'll do it again sometime. I, I you know uh, next time you're up early. Um, the <laughs> So we'll uh, we'll make it happen. So, uh, yeah, guys, everyone, please follow follow Gary. Uh, check him out. Very insightful guy. And uh, we'll have you back soon. We'll we'll do it again sometime. So um, as hey, for I as, appreciate you. Mate. Yeah, Sorry, mate, I appreciate you. I'm, uh, I'm up at four o'clock every morning. So uh, you'll get me anytime. Oh, easy. You're good. Wow. You're up and at him early. So, um, <laughs> well, guys, uh, and as, uh, as for me, go to dececomedy.com. Check out everything going on across the network. Uh, we got weekly shows coming for you uh, for the next couple months at least. And uh, tour dates in April. Get your tickets now. And that's it. Uh, for me, Evan Deese, and for uh, Gary, thank you very much, guys. And we will see you all next week.